Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. I am back. I hope you guys enjoyed that last episode, which was like four hours long, but I thought that was important to have an episode on the anniversary of H2O's 25 years as a band. And um, hope you guys enjoy that. I have a good handful of New York people left, and then we'll be moving on to um, when I moved to California, since this is chronological order of my life. Hope you guys are enjoying listening. I appreciate all the subscribers, all the reviews, all the positive feedback of this podcast. It's been wonderful. Um, so yeah, I'm going on tour tomorrow. It's an amazing tour. Persistence with Agnostic Front, Gorilla Biscuits, Street Dogs, Wisdom and Chains, um, Billy Biohazard, uh, Cutthroat, and LA Count Time. Um, so that's going to be dope. Uh, I love going on tour once I'm there, but the whole process of leaving and thinking about it, I've been having anxiety about this tour for about six months. Um, one thing is that the last show of the tour is London, and we're not playing that that show. And we never confirmed it. It's my son's birthday, and I will never miss my son's birthday. I don't give a fuck where I am in the world, how much money you're paying me. I'm not going to miss my son's birthday, so... That just got announced finally that we weren't playing it. We never confirmed the first place for the listeners. We never confirmed ever, ever, ever playing that London show because I would never confirm a show on my son's birthday. Anyway, so yeah, I was talking to my wife today about it and I've been stressing about this tour leaving. Um, I love to play music. Once I'm there and I'm on stage, it's super easy. And with all my friends, you know, I get into the routine of playing a show every night. We have 11 shows in a row. Um, I love that. But the whole process of like, preparing myself to leave my wife and son, um, dropping my son at school and then going home and going to the airport. All that shit gives me anxiety. I do have global entry, but I still get stressed out flying. I have no problem being on the airplanes or like worry about a plane crashing, God forbid. But I do the process of going through security, getting on the flight, making sure they have my vegan meals. Another thing that's really, really annoying for me is I can't sleep on planes like a lot of my friends can sleep on planes. A lot of people in my band, my band can, can. And some people take pills. I don't do that shit. But I was thinking about, I don't know what I'm going to do for this flight because we have to fly directly for 10 hours to Amsterdam. Then we have a four-hour layover. Then we fly to Hamburg. And then we play that night. So I'm going to be playing the first show, Persistence on No Sleep, which is fine because that's what my band's been doing for 25 years. We always usually fly in the day of show. It's kind of insane, but um, anyway, I'm just kind of like rambling now, but yeah, um, my wife wanted to ask me some questions. She was making fun of me early today. Mama, come in and let's, let's, let's do this, babe. Um, so shout out to my man Gavin. His episode was supposed to come out tomorrow, but this is an emergency podcast with me and my wife because, um, you know, she's just tired of me complaining and I get it. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to do this for 25 years, let alone bring my wife and my son on the tour. Mostly my son now because my wife's at work, but my son comes to me during the summers. But uh, I was trying to get my wife to come on this tour. I'm like, just take a vacation. Just come out. Just jump on the bus. Um, she loves Poland. She's Polish. Um, she can go out there and see her people. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I do know what's going to happen now is that my wife's actually getting ice and being really loud in the background. But um, yeah, man. Come on, Mom. Step to the mic. She was breaking my breaking my balls all day today about the tour and this and that. And I've been like this the whole time we've been married. And but one thing I can say is that, you know, my wife tells me always talk about that the reason why we're probably married for twenty five years, let alone, you know, the most basic reasons of 
loving each other and being best friends and trusting each other and the communication and laughter is that I am in a band and that I do leave when I come back. And I feel like that's a big part of this relationship because absence does make absence makes the heart grow strong. I believe in that. I feel like we're living proof to that that um that really helps. Like missing each other. Like as soon as I I'm on the plane going to Europe, I'm counting down when I'm coming back. Come on, mama. Because getting home and seeing my wife and my son and my dog Stella, um, is super, super I look forward to that. So that's definitely key. Would you have to would you have to agree on that? Step to the mic. I don't know if I agree. You don't know if you no, you told me that me leaving and coming back is, is I didn't know what part you were talking about. Yes, I do agree. But talk on the mic, yeah, thanks. But baby. but but you only did one tour in the beginning by yourself, Murphy's Law. There was more than that, I think, babe. Maybe. No. And you're like, I can't do this. So I quit my job to go out on the road and do another job. Right? But you do, you, when we came back from the tour, you always did work at the different bars and stuff. Yeah, I kept working the whole time. Yeah. Like, I got a job at Kate's by Kate's joint. just Shout being out. there. No, I know. Sometimes you're only home for three days, though, so that was kind of difficult. In between you toured tours. way more than I don't think you could do it now. Like six to eight weeks and shit. Yeah, and then come home for three, four days and then leave again. And then we we just started dating when you came out to this. This is crazy because uh, last time we did a European tour with Sib was was Gorilla Biscuit, Sick of It All. Um, okay, so H2O. there was two. There was the Europe yeah. Europe tour and then that Murphy's Law tour. Yeah, that was ninety six, I want to say, right? Or ninety? That was ninety five. That was ninety five. We had five songs and we had like one T shirt and people just, in Europe were just staring at us like, "What the fuck is your problem?" My point of this emergency podcast was just kind of to interject or, I don't know, I don't want to cock block someone else's, but it was like, Sorry, Gavin, I because love you. you're going on tour the last, I would say three weeks, but it's literally since you agreed to do it. And then since Adam's sick, it's been making yeah. it more tortured. Like, yeah. you don't have Adam with you. You don't have Max yeah. with you. I'm not with you. And then yeah. Rusty does his coffee thing. Todd Friend sleeps. Yeah. I was my right hand man. I was like my, I mean, they're all my brothers, but me and Adam always chew hard on tour. We hang the most, we work out and not having Adam on this tour has been really stressful. And our people that are listening, this is a good time to talk about it, is that Adam was diagnosed with this thing called PNH. What year was that, Moon? 2000 In what? In the 90s. In the 90s? Yeah, it was because it was bef before Max, before we moved here. We'll, we'll look up PNH people because I can't pronounce what that means, but it's a rare blood disease. It, it's, um, it's a mutation of your white blood cells. And uh, and Adam had to have this medicine that costs like almost $250,000 a year. And he's had relapses all throughout his life since he's been diagnosed with it, but never really had real treatment because he didn't have no insurance. So as of lately, as of a couple months ago, he got really, really bad for about nine days, lost 20 pounds, uh, had jaundice all his body, and, and like 97% of the blood in his body was infected by the PNH. So we finally went to a person, then a specialist, and then now he's getting the proper treatment. And the lady that's helping him somehow got it waived, so he's he has insurance, which is great, and also he doesn't have to pay that two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which <laughs> is great for that medicine. Your so life this, or two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars for Adam's medicine. It's crazy. So, so it's been really, really stressful. But Adam and seeing him going through that, because he's the most healthy, positive, fitness maniac, and just seeing him get smashed down by this disease, it's so rare. I think there's like twenty seven people have it in America or something like that. Moon or something, or it's tiny. It's when you made that post the other day, I was so happy that someone else said, I have this. Like, he can yeah. connect with her and say, like, how are you feeling? What is, like, it seems like she's had it for the same amount of time than he has. Yeah. And they can talk about, like, what do you do when this happens? Yeah. Because otherwise, nobody 
he doesn't know anybody. Yeah. So I did a post about these t-shirts to make it for Adam and all the, all the money's going to go to Adam. And uh, some person commented who followed me and in her bio it said P&H. She's like, she's from our scene and she has P&H. So I connected her and Adam, which was really remarkable to even see, find another human that has that. It's pretty rare, you know. But Moon was breaking my cha-chas earlier saying, get a job at UPS. You, should, you want to go on tour. She always says it to me like when I start my stressing about tour. My point is you tour. complain about going on the road, traveling all over the world, having people admire what you do, and then backtrack. Last night we went out. Misha said to you, nobody does anything with their first band. What was your first band, Toby? And you said <laughs> H2O. So like... This is your first try, and you've been doing it for 25 years. Thank you, babe. And ever I since I had you, Max, you complain all the time. It's I'm hard afraid to, leave to fly. You guys. I, I don't want to go. I've never liked, baby, I never liked flying my whole life. I know. So my point is get a job at UPS and Funny. know how terrible life could actually be. Funny story. I had a friend who worked at UPS, and he didn't like it. It was horrible. And when we so had if to, anyone has broken boxes, they can blame our friend. And listen to this, Jimmy. And 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 listen to this. This is a true story that when we had that hiatus between the Go record and Hazen Street, I, I worked for Golden Voice for a while, and then also just for help, I was like, you know what? It's Christmas rush. I'm gonna go apply for UPS. So I went to UPS, and I applied for UPS with all my tattoos, and I got hired. And then a without week, a resume. Yeah, and then a week later we got a tour, and I was like, okay, see you later. But don't be mad UPS you is hiring. You didn't even show up. Yeah, because I went on tour. Yeah, I know, I know. But don't be mad UPS is hiring a favorite lyric by Biggie Smalls. Anywho, yes, the grass isn't always greener. You always say get a real job if you don't want to travel, but I'm very lucky this, this band is taking me all around the world. But I'm sorry that I love you and Max so much that I'm super baby emo when it's time to leave. Once I'm there, I have a blast. I talk, is to, that I talk love? to you guys every day. Is it love for real, though? What do you mean? Is that what that really is? Is what? Because you're afraid to leave. Is it because you love us or is it because you're crazy? It's a little, it's a mix between both probably. Yeah, I'm crazy in love with you guys and I love being home and I love my life here and I don't like the winter and I'm going like into the fucking obsession? winter. obsession? No. No, not you're obsession. Not, no, no, I know. I'm just trying to think like, what is it? It's, it's, I love being home with my fam. I love driving Max to school. I love being like a normal, try to be a normal person in society. But then I love being the USPS. weirdo. P.S. I like being the weirdo that I really am and go on tour and play these shows and the shows are great. I'm going to be with all my friends. It, it's going to be a blast once I get there, but it's just the leaving, going in the winter. And honestly, if, Adam, if Adam always was, have fun. I know. But if Adam was with me, it'd be a totally different story. And this is no disrespect to Rusty or TF or Ernst, my brother, or even Dan Smith is filling in. Thank you, Dan. It's not, it's not that. It's, you know. Getting I, there. I, but I pride, also pride H2O on being a band with original lineup as much as we can. You know that. I'll do everything in our power to keep four of the members original as, as many tours. And people who know us for this many years know we always just have a, somebody this filling in for my brother though. Todd. This is a total fluke. It is a fluke not to have Adam. Yes, it is. So now we're like three members of H2O. But I, there, there is a thing where I just like to keep the brotherhood and keep our family and keep it original as much as we can. And I don't know, I just pride myself on that. But I'm not, I wasn't going to cancel this tour. Definitely never confirmed the 26th, which is my son's birthday. But you birthday. walked around the house. Stressed out about all it. All day. Stressing. Every day. Stressing. I'm canceling. 
I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm not going. Well, the thing was, the thing was, people listening last week. Adam, Adam was like, "I'm gonna, I might do it. I'm gonna beg my doctor." And he begged his doctor on Thursday, and she said no. So there's, there's been these highs and lows of Prior building to up that, to this. You say, if this person emails this, I'm not doing it. If this happens, I'm gonna do it. I'm not doing it if this. You sound like an insane person, and then you but make am, us insane. I don't mean to push it on you, my insanity. You're gonna go push it on a neighbor. <laughs> no, but anyway, my point is this: is that yes, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm excited. Thank you, Dan Smith, for playing bass with us. Persistence Tour is going to be sick, and um, the show's going to be great. So many great bands, so many great friends, and yeah, it's hard. It's a lot easier now with FaceTime though and texting, Mom. Remember back in the day, it was hard. So the last maybe five years, you used to call. I I don't think you really called collect, but you'd call on like the calling cards. And then when we got phones, the phone bills were like two and three thousand dollars. I remember you calling right. from Australia one time that I didn't go to, and my mom was like, "How many times did he call today?" And I was like, mm, "I don't know, a couple." And the phone bill was always asked way more than I made on that tour. And you <laughs> used to steal off phones too. So yeah, because we had these dialers. Yeah, what it would be. Yeah. But recently, you will say to me, "Do you miss me?" How you don't give me a chance to miss you. But I, when I'm on tour, Max, you hear from me less, though. You get on the plane, you get Wi-Fi. Facts. And then text me or email me the entire time on the way there. <laughs> even even just so recently, you could talk to me on the plane. It used to be like, all right, at least I have eight hours of silence. No, it's, that is really Now true. you text me, email, call. Facebook, Instagram, well, let me, let me, let me keep, all of the above. Let me keep it real with you real quick. Um, it's mostly because Max asked me to get Wi-Fi. He texted me during the day from the school. You know that's true, babe. You could give a Is shit. Is Max the dad? No, but you say goodbye to me once and you're good without talking to me for 12 hours. Max wants to make sure I'm safe because he's, he's a stressful fly like me. You're not. Just for the people listening, when my wife gets on an airplane, which is her favorite airline, Southwest... <laughs> When we gets on the plane, no matter where she's going, with a winter jacket, a scarf, a fucking hat, and she lays <laughs> on the floor where your feet go. So she lays across the floor where me, me, me and Max were sitting so we have to keep her feet up. The whole plane's looking at Moon. Somehow she curls up into a teeny ball and sleeps on the dirty-ass airplane floors. You've been doing that your whole life. I've known you. couple airlines don't allow it, and they've woken oh, me I up and i getting so mad. Because it's bumpy or whatever that doesn't shit. It doesn't yeah. matter if yeah. the plane's going to crash. You're going down. It do you doesn't matter if you're on the floor or sitting up. Do you take uh, pills on the flights? Not always. Have you ever taken one and like, woke up and like, where the fuck am I? No. So the guys in my band don't do that. They used to or they get on the plane drunk. I'm, I'm sober now, but I've never taken anything. And I'm wide awake on the whole flight. It fucking sucks. And I'm thinking maybe I should take a melatonin, but I'm worried about that. One time I did. And I had a full five seats in the middle of the plane. And it was somewhere in the middle of like Japan and Hawaii where it's always bumpy and they have a lot of crashes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, I had taken a sleeping pill. I lay down. I thought, this is great. I'm going to sleep the whole way there. I'm going to be no jet lag. And it starts bumpy and you start shaking me. Wake up. Wake up. I did. Yeah. And I was like, no, just I'm going to sleep. No, we're going to die. I was like, okay, let's die together. <laughs> and you're like, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. I have stuff to do. I'm like, what are we going to do? And the flight attendant I have to told you. My stickers. <laughs> the flight attendant had told you, yeah, this is where we have most of our crashes. What a fucking asshole. And you asshole. were like, 
out of your mind. So That's scared. Scary, and I thought, what can we do? Was that between Hawaii and Japan where the fucking yes. that lady like broke her neck or something? It was scary, dude. Remember the flight before us or something? No, but um, so you think that it is a blessing and a curse. You you don't think that me going on tour helps your relationship? Yeah, better than if you had a job every day here. Yeah. So I the grass isn't you. always greener because if I did get a regular job, UPS or something, I'd be home five o'clock, cranky, come home with a long day at work, my back hurting. Yeah, but miserable. when I come home from work, you're like the, the lady waiting at the door. And I know what it's like to be a plumber to want to come home and just sit down and have an old style. You can't compare the job you do to actual work of a plumber. Babe. I, I'm saying someone that leaves the house. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I do everything from the house. But, on the, on, but you're on, like waiting for me. If you hear my car door slam, you're on the front porch whistling. It's kind of hard to have a wife's car. She has a 1965 uh, Falcon. And the thing put, puts down the street like a fucking, like it's a space machine, spaceship hovering over fucking my street. So I know when you're coming. And those, those loud ass doors opening. So yeah, I get excited to see my wife. You should like that. Here's the thing though. What if I didn't give a shit? Yeah. What if I was a miserable prick at a miserable 100%. job coming home, coming up yelling at you, give me my beer, put the fucking TV on, put some football on, sit on the couch. <laughs> it's different. You know what I mean? Like the grass isn't green. And if I did have a real job, which I consider what I have a real job because it's 25 years, maybe I have to go 50 years to prove it's a real job. But you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it, it is good to have you, mama, because you keep me balanced and you keep me checking. You check me about, dude, you're so lucky you get to travel. And because of that, you got to see the whole world with me, babe. We're lucky we did all that shit before. Are you Max trying to twist born. this onto me? I'm trying to say that before Max was born, you got to see the whole world, man. How yeah. many times did you go to Japan together? I think eight times? Probably more. And we brought Max there twice? Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks. You went to South America finally with us, right? Yeah, it took. we never did that when you were touring with us. Twice. And then, you know, you got, we got pregnant on tour, and you you were pregnant on tour and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I bet if I get some more musicians on it, and I have had a bunch of musicians on this podcast, and they talk about it, Every single person has a family. They talk about, you know, you know, um, the gift and the curse of being a musician and becoming a parent. And I know the grass isn't greener. I just wish you would complain less or stress less or pick something, pick a flight and stay on that flight. Not change the seat or the flight. Yeah, I change my flight every second to the last minute. I, do, I call them like seven times. I've got a non-dairy vegan. Hi, meal. it's Toby. <laughs> and they're probably like, so? <laughs> Hi, I'm scared to fly. And um, I want to switch seats one over. I do that. And I also make sure I have a non-dairy vegan. But you do I call that like all 20 the time. times. You know, it's my right to call the airlines. It's my right as a traveler. It's my right as a um, mileage high passenger to make sure all my career, everything's correct for my shit. You, know you what sound I mean? crazy. I am crazy. So... I don't. I remember I started flying when I was a kid and it was smoking on the plane. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Recently. Yeah. Not, not when you were a kid. Yeah, it'd be my mom next to me smoking on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember that one flight? Um, in band camp? It was like a Middle Eastern airline. Yeah. And Rusty lost it. And they were like, first class could smoke, but everyone else couldn't. Holy shit. That and was like was in the like, 90s, late He 90s. kept running up to the curtain and it was so mad. Yeah, for those listening, Rusty fucking hates cigarettes. If you're smoking at a venue on stage, definitely put your cigarette out. That's Rusty's the airline the fucking... that Armand said people were praying in the aisles. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. That was crazy. You told me that I story. I can't think what the name of it is. Jordanian Airlines or something like that? Royal Jordanian. That was it back in the day. Yeah. I wonder if they're still around. I don't know, man. But 
smoking yeah. on flights. So for people listening, I know Jamie Josh, we didn't get to talk to him on the podcast, but he's almost like the guy from A-Team where they had to like sedate him to get him <laughs> on flights. It took Jamie a long time to start flying, went to a hypnotist, a therapist, all that. Now he flies and shit, I need to ask him about that next time on the podcast. But he was a terrible flyer as me as well. And once I'm on the plane and I make it through and have all my shit, and everything's good. Like the last time I went through security, they're like, we need to look at your bag, sir. They went through my bag because my like PMA stickers and my drug-free stickers, there's a chemical used to make stickers. And that chemical is also another chemical to make things that are like scary. So they pulled me to the side went through all my stickers. I'm like, really, dude? Is that <laughs> random shit? And so my main fear on this tour right now is that I'm flying home on, my, on Max's birthday and if there's any weather, because it's coming from Amsterdam, that, that's my, I'm going to stress that. To, I'm going to shit my pants every day and stress this whole tour to the fact that I, I got to land at 11.55 on my son's birthday. And, and I can't control, and the thing about it is I can't control any of that. So why am I stressing about it? I can't control what's going to happen on January 26th and that flight. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking stressing it. And just even one of our friends we're just with now, he's going to be going away on a family trip in like six weeks from now. And he's totally stressing leaving his wife and his daughter. And he it's also weird. used to travel totally. all it's weird. the time. I don't know if it's like a, after a certain age, you have a fear of flying or when we become a dad, like you're more, I mean, I know you're more emotional and you're connected to your family. I don't know. I just feel like I, I, I maybe, maybe I love you and Max more than you guys love me, but I feel more connected. Like for sure. I, you're an <laughs> asshole. And I feel like we form like Voltron and we're all together. And maybe we love you more and you're just more of a freak. Maybe, but we form like Voltron. And, we, and when I leave you guys, I, I have missing a part of myself. And I hate to say the work is like Jerry Maguire, you complete me, but you guys complete and you guys are part of me and my energy, my whole life. So when I'm out there with you, out you guys, I know I'm representing for the family and I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing for the fam, but it's just hard sometimes to get that, to think about that kind of stuff, you know? I don't know. What if, what if the shoes were, what if it was opposite feet and like you would, you were going on tour and you were leaving all the time, the Max, you might feel the same way. You That's don't know. happened. Yeah, but not consistently like mine happens. Yeah, but I'm trying to think what, why would that have happened? Like Where'd you when I go, to? even if I just like went back to see my mom. Yeah. Yeah, even for four days. I, People listening, man, if Moon and Max go to Chicago for like four days, I drop for Easter every year. I drop at the airport and summer every year. And I start bawling in the car, and then I get home in this fucking house. I can't sleep the first, I don't know, the whole time they're gone. I can't sleep in the house by myself without (laughs) them because there's this crazy energy in our house. Even our friends in Millhouse, we were with them last weekend up in the snow. Love you, Millhouses. Um, They said when they left their house, we left them. (laughs) Their house was so quiet. (laughs) But it wasn't a diss. Like they loved the Morris energy. We're like an intense, hyperactive, talkative family so so it's the person that's getting left behind how they have to deal and even though you're going on tour you feel like we're doing our thing and max is going to school i'm going to work we're doing our stuff and when you come back i always make you feel like you need to chill out to get into our world is that yeah, right yeah because you guys stay consistent and you keep the the, you know, the carpooling just a regular everyday domestic life while i'm gone and then when i land I'm totally out of my mind. I didn't sleep the night before because we played a show to wake You're up. You're on fast forward yeah, to wake mode. Up, yeah, I'm nine hours ahead. I haven't slept like three or four hours. I have to fly straight. I'll be flying straight home and then come back, dive into Max's birthday, which I'm so excited about. But even if it wasn't his birthday, just coming back home and trying to jump back into your schedule. And you've always had to be the strong one. And I, and it's and that's like, sometimes I'm like, I feel bad because sometimes you you should be allowed to be like the emotional mom crying at the airport. But, but I can't. But we both can't be crying at the airport. Everyone would be blubbering slobs. Yeah. 
So you have to be the you have to be the man and wear the pants. So then I look point. like a like a cold hearted. You don't. You don't. Bitch. You don't. You. you, you I'm yes, this, I I'm do. just a more sensitive, emotional person. You know that. I'm. I'm a way. I guess I, I was raised more emotionally. Because I don't know. I don't know what it's. My from, mom uh, always says, "Just because you don't see it doesn't mean I'm, you know, feeling it." That's true. But my mom was a crier, and so we became criers. See, my mom crying, and my dad <laughs> lose all that, all all that shit. People already know from this podcast, but all that, and then becoming a dad, and then fucking seeing all those commercials on the TV with the dads, and then the movies with the dads. What was that movie we saw? If I go to movie with my wife and my son, and it's a movie about a dad dying or something with the dad, you lose I it. Lose it, man. But so does your brother. Yeah, both my brothers do. What was that one movie where I walked out and I was shaking? I was <laughs> crying like fucking somebody killed Stella. I was coming out of the movie. I was shaking and bawling. Mom, remember that? What was that, babe? What movie was that? We never figured that out, but it was Kim gnarly. said Todd did the same thing. Yeah, both my brothers are very emotional wrecks. Like, I say this once. I said it twice. Even if they're listening, me and my brothers definitely need therapy, for sure. And my mom, too. That's a whole different podcast. I might have it back on here, and we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll get a therapist on the show. I have one. My friend is SoulCycle. And then um, come on the show and sit down with us. They can tell you you're all crazy. That would be so amazing. So if you're listening, you're listening, DM me about it. They think that'd be cool. Me, my mom, and my two brothers and the therapist on the podcast. That'd be fucking amazing, man. I think it'd be awesome. Oh. I want to talk about my wife most recently watching the Kardashians. I don't want to blow up her spot, but because people diss them all the time and make fun of them. My wife, I've never, ever seen the Kardashians. And you know, all, all you hear is people make fun of my wife. Like, I'm going to check it out. And I've kind of judged them too. Like, oh, they blah. So I thought, let me watch it. Then I can say they suck or not. And I... It was like watching a train wreck. I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. And Dash Crew. Yeah. I could not stop. But although they're really weird and mean to each other, they're also nice to each other. I thought like, they actually make me want to have sisters. Yeah, that was interesting. You said that last night. You said, I think this makes you want to have a sister. I mean... I guess be, that boat's sailed. I'll loan you my two brothers for a week if you want. You know what I mean. Like, yeah. they're, they're just, they fight and then they're over it. Yeah. But that's a different level of, of family. That's a different economy. It's just everything about it is just very different. And it's probably not real. Yeah, nothing's real. Um, what was your point about me watching that? My point is it's just so odd for somebody of your, personal, your personality and what you usually watch. When I came home from tour, you're watching like, what the fuck? You're like, yeah, you know, people are talking shit. I'm, I'm going to get my own opinion of it. And I thought that was cool. He actually took like... And they're 100, on 18 seasons yeah, you and took, I just started yeah, you took 300 <laughs> hours of your life to dedicate to see if you... If why I people, liked them. Yeah, why people liked them or not. But <laughs> since I started watching it, we found out from your friend, Chris, that one of the girls actually... Yeah. Kim Kardashian writes thank you cards and is very nice. Yeah, that's true. Unlike most people, you think like, "Oh, they're so mean," or, or "They're nice." You know, yeah, movie she still stars writes that are nice cards. and not whatever. And Especially I thought that this, was very admirable. In this digital world, like people are doing actual writing things down and sending postcards. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Ian McKay still does. They still writes postcards. I think that's really awesome. I think it's cool that people take the time to write. It means more, I think. You know, and people actually save those things now. Like, holy shit! I've it's made Max like write gift. thank you cards since the day I remember sitting with him, and thank you cards would take forever. Ever. Yeah. And then like as he got older, I would just write the name on the thing, like put a little post-it and be like, here you go. Yeah. And I think that's super important. uh, Important. Yeah. To teach him how to do that. And just like using the phone too. We taught him to use the phone. We have a dialer phone in our house right now next to me. Just in case. So people make calls. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anything else you want to bash me about or? (laughs) We should do a roast. this, This is a roast pretty much right now. Well. The roast is being too sensitive. My point was. 
it was just like, what is your point of yeah. being like so down and complaining about doing something that so many people would love to do? Yeah. That's a good point. We uh, like take advantage of it. Uh, we had uh, shout out to shout out to the canals in Moby. We had a nice brunch today at uh, Little Pine Moby Spot, and Moon was telling them she was going to be on the podcast today and have questions uh, for me. And then Moby decided that he had some questions he wanted you to ask me. What were they, babe? Do you remember? Do you try- really like Coldplay? <laughs> <laughs> I think Moby's so bugged out because he thinks that you're doing it for shock value, like how yeah. when we Punk met Ian. In Newfound Glory. Mm-hmm. Remember we stayed on his bus one night? He loved Britney Spears. And he blasted it. Yeah. All yeah. night. I slept below him in the bunk. Yeah. And he just put it on to go to sleep. And it was so loud. Yeah, I think Moby's because Moby comes from that pop digital world and all that stuff. And he's also comes from the punk rock roots. And knows that I come from that too. He's just How so... How could you possibly like yeah. Coldplay? So his, his question was my top five non-punk albums, bands, artists. And on... Uh, I would say obviously Coldplay is one of them. U2 is another one. Um, That's an odd band to like too. U2? For you or for what people probably think. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. you sit home and listen yeah. to. Yeah, I would say U2, Coldplay. Um, I would say Madonna. I would say Sade. And then the other one after that would be Prince. Those would be my top five like ones that aren't supposed. Oh, The Cure. Shit, that's six. But yeah, I mean, that was a question he had. Another question he had was what? Um, do I really love Coldplay? Yes, I really love Coldplay. Uh, he likes them too. We talked about that today. And then he also, another one was like, what is a person? Oh, okay. There's a question for both for us. And I know your answer too. Uh, I know we know we met a lot of people in our life that we look up to a lot of people who, um, we, we'd admire an artist and musicians, whatever. And who was one you were like too nervous to meet? Don't, don't make pause I don't so know long. If, I don't know if it was too nervous to meet, but I was actually telling Tony about it today. Yeah. Something Wild, Melanie okay. Griffith, okay. Jeff Daniels, and that was Ray Liotta's first movie. Yep. Part of, like, her her character in that movie was Lulu. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to be Lulu. Okay. I love her. Yeah. The way she dressed, her hair, everything about her, I thought she was so cool. And then fast forward, we saw her at a restaurant yeah. frequently when we moved here. And you said to me, go say hi to her. Yeah. And I'm looking at her, and her lips were ginormous, and her face was pulled back. She looked like the complete antithesis of Lulu. And I thought, gotcha. I'm not going to say, like, I everything I've done from 1986 is a little bit of Lulu here and there. Yeah. Like, she just seemed so odd and off Yeah. that she I didn't even want to say anything her. to her. Yeah. It was hard to see. That was Lulu. Moon's talking about Lulu, the character from Something Wild, which is a movie with Ray Liotta and Melanie Griffith. It's an incredible movie. It's got a true romance vibe to it. I suggest everybody watch it. It was like the pre-true romance. Yeah. yeah. Super dope movie. Also, another one of our faves is California with a K, which is Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis. It's an incredible one. Um, so I guess for me, so, so that's the person you met. Well, I thought it was Robert Smith at Conan O'Brien where you said, I don't speak English, and you but shook I, his hand. But I, yeah, I said hi to him. Yeah, you, you, were, you were intimidated by meeting him. That's the question Moby had. Who's somebody you met you were nervous to meet? Was it probably Robert Smith too, I would yeah, say. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, for me, it was Jay-Z. Um, Rap, uh, Rap a good friend of his. He invited me to go see him perform. This would be one of the first, out of the three times I got to meet Jay-Z, but the first time was, was me, him, and Michael Rapport backstage. I was standing there. Beyonce was sitting on the couch. She was on her phone. It was us, us in this room. And you could tell that I was nervous, and I guess I gave off that vibe. So Jay-Z 
he's talking to me and Mike and he puts his hand on my fucking shoulder and he's like, Hey man, you good? Do you want some water or something? <laughs> so then, and then Mike looked at me and he realized that, yo, this motherfucker is fucking, you know, is, is tripping on this. And so Jay-Z went and got me Fuji water and I opened it up and drank it. And I took my jacket off. Then I felt really comfortable after that. And like, <laughs> just cause he could tell the tenseness, you know? Um, and another interesting, another one of those times that we didn't, me and Mike didn't get to talk about on the podcast was, Mike said, yo, come by my crib. We're, we're watching this um, Muhammad Ali documentary. So I rode to Mike's old house, and I go in the house, and he's fucking sitting on the couch. This is a fucking true story. And, I, and when Mike comes back on for the part two, we'll probably tell the story again. He's on the couch eating fucking chicken wings with Nas, and they're smoking, or they're doing bong hits. So I come in the house. It's just Nas and fucking rapper porn on the couch. I'm like, holy fuck. My, one of my favorite rappers. And then we're sitting down. We're watching this doc, and then like, Nas offered me chicken. I said, no, nah, I'm vegan. And then they offered me weed. I said, no, nah, I don't do that. And Mike said, yo, this kid's a freak. <laughs> so my man Toby, he's a freak. He's straight as you're vegan. And not, this is way before we see Nas now at the vegan spot. This spots. is over so, 10 years ago. Yeah, and he's like, yo, what's that vegan shit? And straight as I respect that. Much respect. So that was a, that was a, that was a really fucking crazy moment um, was the Jay-Z and Nas because those two are like in my top five. You know what I mean? Um, I try to think of else that I met that I didn't want to meet or was nervous to meet. When I used to see Willem Dafoe all over New mm. York, he would be like walking at me. This is before cell phones, so yeah. he'd be like talking, probably practicing lines. Oh yeah, down and we'd be like literally getting really close, and I would walk across the street. Mm. I don't like to meet people that you think are cool because yeah. they're dicks. Yeah, because we've met a lot of people in our lives, babe. We can't say names. I wish I never fucking met. Yep. People that had them on this pedestal and then you meet them, you're like, fuck. Yep. And then it's hard to go back and listen to their music because then you know like... They're jerks. That really sucks. That was real bomb. Or Chris, they're an everyday person yeah. that happens to be a jerk. Um, Chris Martin was amazing, super loving, super show my tats, super fucking wonderful. I could have kissed him. He was scared of you. No, he he probably thought you were going to pull out an ice pick. No, dude. He was super wonderful. Um, and off I told the story too is the Tupac one. Um, it was early 90s, backstage with House of Pain, 1992 and 93 at the Ritz. Uh, I posted this thing several times because it's a book called Who Shot You? It's like all hip hop photos and like Tupac. Everybody's in this book. It's a hardcover book. But they took this shot. It's me and House of Pain backstage. I had my shirt off. And I remember being backstage after they performed and uh, Tupac came in. He might have been filming Juicy and he had like a high top kind of fade thing. And he came in. He had the haircut from Juice. And he came in and he saw me in my shirt. He was like, yo, you fucking white boys are crazy with them tattoos. He had no tattoos. He's pointing at my rocker, my alleyway crew, my stomach, pointing at my stomach. And no, the guys in House of Pain have tattoos, but I guess I had more obviously back then. He's like, yo, this shit's dope. He gave me like his hand, shook my hand. He had like long fingernails. And he was just tripping on my tattoos. And then the next time I saw him, he had fucking his stomach rocker. He had all these tats. Not saying I inspired him or anything of the matter. I would never say that. But it was cool to meet him, have that moment. And like he had no tats. It was pretty cool. Because I think after Juice is when he kind of took that turn and actually tried being like that more role, like more of that tough street shit. Because he was like, wasn't like that. He was a dancer for Digital Underground. You know what I'm saying at that time? No, I don't know. Well, he, 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 he used to come to your bar and used to, he used to not really... Did he ever come to your bar and you give him a drink? Yes, no he, tipper. No tipper. He wasn't a tipper. Rest in peace, Tupac, but he wasn't At a all. tipper. Um, don't care. But anyway, um, that was a great moment. I wasn't nervous then because I didn't... But Madonna. Madonna's a great story. I don't know if I told that story before, Mama, did I? I think, yes, you did. Were you there at that one? That's a great that story. Tell the second one. Tell the one of the second one, the Roseland. That was wonderful, babe. That's funny. Rancid was playing at the Roseland. Were you opening for them? Yeah. Yeah, the Roseland, yeah. And the way it's Shout set up, answered. they have like a weird like seating area, kind of like six feet high or whatever. Yeah. And there's all these tables. And I was sitting on this table just with a bunch of friends. 
And I get a tap on the shoulder and they're like, get up. And I turn around and they're like, you're in Madonna's seat. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so excited to tell Toby that Madonna was there. I was on stage and you were trying to wave to me to the side. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. the VIP section at the Roseland. And then meanwhile, Lars was excited to introduce you to her. Yeah, he knows I'm a huge fan. And she remembered you. Didn't she say like, oh my God, I remember you or I know Toby. Yeah. So rewind, I was with Sib and a bunch of people at this random show at CB's the night before Lollapalooza got rained out in New York City, but it was going to be like a Booyah Tribe Cypress show at at, at, uh, CB's. And I had a picture of Madonna in my wallet because I was such a freak. (laughs) And I was there with all my friends, like just hardcore cats. We're hanging out. And she came in with Freddie DeMann, who I know. And Tom Coates was with you. Yeah, and he had a Madonna tattoo too. And she came in and like, I was like, oh my God. And I went up to her. I showed her my Madonna tat. She signed my picture for it in my wallet. She's like, probably like, what the fuck are these tattoo guys at CBGB's (laughs) even give a shit about me? And then Tom had one, showed him his portrait. And then we're all supposed to go to Lollapalooza the next day, but um, it it got rained out. So then fast forward, she was trying to sign Rancid and she was schmoozing them. And uh, Laura said, come backstage, meet meet so-and-so. I come backstage and there she is with Freddie DeMann. I remember it was that time when like, it was like the erotica days. And so women wearing like those slips. Remember girls just wore slips? Like they wore slips in the summer, like see-through slips. And she was wearing that. And I come down, Laura's like, yo, this is Madonna. She goes, oh my God, I remember, I know you. And she grabbed my hand, flipped my arm, showed it to Guy Oseri, like my tattoo. And all, I was with the guys in Black Train Jack. I think they were like, everybody's bugging. We were all like, they were bugging. Because <laughs> everyone's like, always known you love Madonna. Yeah, and they were bugging. Like, how, how the fuck she remember this guy? It was a really awesome moment, man. It was really cool. And everybody was super nice. She was super cool. Um, then when we went on a vacation to California, I drove you to Madonna's house. And we pulled outside and I oh, said, yeah, you're crazy, go dude. knock on the door. I was like, and you were like, that. what? And I said, she knows. You go knock on her door. Fuck that. <laughs> the coolest thing from the Madonna thing is that there's a book called Madonna in Style. I think I'm going to post that before too. I ended up getting hit up by somebody and they did an interview with me. I have a half page in the Madonna table book, which is a fucking dream. I'm wearing my Matt Ball shirt. It's a CB show and it's a write-up about how I met Madonna. That was really, really cool. Um, yeah, man. What else are we talking about here today, babe? This is a nice little, this is relaxing. Joe's going to like this one. This is Joe getting said, sidetracked from the original. I know, because Joe said that he likes when we talk, though. The sidetrack, the original reason why we did this podcast is because Moon told me to man up, work at UPS, get a regular job. You don't want to go on tour. Stop bitching. This is what you do. You're very lucky to do it. You're very, I hate these. Let's make a bet. What? All right, you're leaving in how many hours? Uh, I don't know, like, a couple of hours. How many hours know. are you leaving in? I don't know, man. Tuesday afternoon? Yes. And today's Sunday afternoon. Yes. So less than two full days. No, no, no. This podcast is really because we were talking. I'm going toward tomorrow. But this comes I'm out saying Monday. to you, yeah, let's make a bet. Hundred thousand dollars. Fucking fuck. That you can't say one thing related to anything tour related. That's really hard bet, man. Anything. Hundred bucks is good. You know. That means you can't do it. Um, let me ask you this though. Um, let me ask you this. Oh, am I allowed to say blessed? Because is it a blessing that we're still married, that I still get to play music, that I do what I love, or am I not allowed to say that I'm blessed because I earned that because I paid my dues and got where I am because I worked my ass up to get where I am. So I, I earned it. Do so you believe you, in God? No, not really. So then you shouldn't say it. Yeah, so but, I mean, but blessed is become something that's beyond religion it's just a hashtag it's it's a it's a it's a slogan so i'm asking you like are you blessed because you worked hard and you still get to do still get to do what you love so you're blessed are you entitled no no 
Why don't you just say I'm grateful? Grateful, yeah. So saying blessed is not, you know how to say that if you worked hard to get where you're at? I'm just asking, this is a serious question. Because some people are like, you shouldn't say you're blessed because you paid your dues to be where you're at. You I just think that, that word's that a little position. overused now. Yeah. So maybe it just seems a little A lot cheesy. of words are. A lot of words are. Yeah, well, move on and pick your own words. Okay. Grateful. Yeah. Grateful. Um, but do you think you're... Because you did work to get to where you're at. So you get to work where you're at and you paid your dues to get where you're at, but going beyond where you thought you were actually going to end up 25 years later, does that mean you're blessed because you still get to do that something you worked hard for? Or is it something that... I just don't know if the word... It wasn't handed not, to you. No, not at all. It's my first band. <laughs> you so just I, figured that out so, yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, I did have that silly band called Thrap and Crew. I merely played one show, but it was nothing. It was Thrap and Crew. I rapped one song. <laughs> if you heard the first episode of the podcast, you know I sang that song. You know. Uh, the song was called Posers. I had no idea of Well, that. you know I sang that song. That was my rap song. Yeah. Want to do it again? No. I can't do that. Please don't. Um, so anyway, yeah. So All right. So the word blessed, don't say that. You know, dues paid, self-made, all that stuff. You did that yourself. You know, you worked hard. I guess that's what we're allowed to say. But, you know. Anyway, my point of this conversation was that was the questions we had. Moby gave us questions today. You gave some good points. And the bottom line is, you know, shut the fuck up, Toby, and go do on you tour. Still, do you want to do a bet, though, for real? Reasonable. 100, 100 bucks. So 100 bucks, I can't... I can't. Every time you say the word... That I'm stressed about It's 100 flying. bucks. Yeah. Maybe I should go to therapy. Maybe I should go get therapy or get hypnotized. Like Jamie Johnson. I'm going to call Jamie Johnson and ask him because he worked for the, I think he's going to have his DA or BA from 18. You're going to have to take your brain out. You don't get scared to fly? No. No. And I shook my head. Sorry. Yeah, my wife tries to bring Not even a little bit. For some reason, my wife, like right now, she's not wearing zero fucking jewelry. But for some reason, every time we fly, my wife has to grab every (laughs) fucking necklace in the whole house (laughs) and every wristband and put it on and be Mrs. T and walk through with a big gulp and a fucking jacket and like seven bags. She has like, it's weird. How come we have no jewelry on but you only wear when we fly? It's really strange. This is the first time you've ever seen me with no jewelry. Mind you, every time we've traveled anywhere in the world, my wife's always had weird hair colors for the for society, pink hair, two-tone hair. She's always gets fucked with every time. And it's beyond the necklaces and the jewelry. Sometimes my wife will be carrying like, I don't know, a comb that actually turns into a knife or something <laughs> in her bag or like That was a gift liquid. from Chad. What did you have and what was it in your bag? Which one? One of your weapons can steal weapons that you carry. I've had a bunch. It's never on purpose. It's like, oh, I forgot it was in there. But oh, the cat brass knuckles or fucking something. That was from Lisa. Something. I remember carrying fucking, I remember carrying these teeny brass knuckles that Rusty gave me. They were like a necklace that weren't even they size. They were Max's size. Yeah, and they pulled me. For the Hazen me, Street record. Yeah, and they pulled me to the side and said I couldn't, it was a concealed thing. It was, a, it could fit in my palm. It couldn't fit even anybody's fingers, not even baby, maybe an infant. And that was a weapon. Yeah, Max was one or two, yeah, like yeah, yeah, less yeah. than two years yeah. old. When he had it on the back cover of the record. Yeah, it's crazy. And they took him from you. That is crazy. Yeah, but you carry concealed weapons, um, big gulps. You have 11,000 chains on for no reason. Um, I always request to go in that big one now. Where they scan your whole body? Because then I don't have to take off my stuff. But they've went in my hair. You never got pulled into a room, though. They've taken my shoes and shaken them. Like, Mm. they're going to cut my shoes open. But mind you... While they're harassing me, you guys would be, it would be like a TV show. Like you guys would be walking through with 10 bags of merch. Facts. So you were the decoy. I was over there. I mean, it was never on purpose either, but it was just like, 
you know they're going to pick me. You're a decoy. So anybody listening to this podcast that worked for the TSA, we don't do that anymore. That was like in the 90s. We have merch printed over in the, on Europe. Now we don't, we don't sneak anything anymore. We're totally legit. Are you serious? Band. In case people listening, you know what I mean? No one cares. Um, there was that one time I went to Japan and they started going through our bags. And then you spoke the they two. They pulled me and Vaughn aside. Yeah. And they, uh, Pink hair, black man. Yeah. And, and he said that, you know, the only two things you could say is, um, he pointed at me and said, Cheesy Chimpo san, which means Mr. Little Dick. Thanks. And then. They started laughing and let us all walk through. Yeah. That's true. And that was, I don't know, 15 bags. Yeah. And then I remember going through fucking Columbia a couple years ago. We had a bunch of merch. We had like some PMA merch too, and they went through it. And Rafa said that we were um, a religion, a religious group, yeah, going traveling. around spreading the positive message, spreading positive messages. <laughs> and then we, I gave like all, all like the fucking TSA guards all PMA shirts at the airport. That yep. was amazing, man. That, that was, was freaking great. awesome. That was a good call, Rafa. They had these guys a religious positive group spreading the message. <laughs> they all get free T-shirts. Um, so, bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in a band. Don't and, complain. And you're married and you have a kid um, and that's what you do for 25 years. You are very fucking lucky, which I know if I you am. You do it for one year. And and I'm, and I'm very fucking lucky. And, and every single person listening and every single father or mother that's in music uh, relates to what I'm talking about, especially people out on this podcast. They, they totally understand that, that leaving your family is really, really hard. And I'm very lucky. I'm not going to say blessed. I'm very lucky that my wife got to travel me for like, what, the first 10 years? Yes. The first 10 years, as H told before, Max was born and see the world with me, get pregnant on tour, be pregnant on tour, and got to travel. And then after that, she stays home and gets time to herself, which she really, really needs to have some alone time. And Max comes to me every summer to Europe, which is wonderful, you know? I was hoping to get you. I was like, quit your job. Come to Persistence. It'd be so fun. It's me and you. 10 days, just just me and you. Quiet time. Have your mom come out here. Like, it's not reality, but, you know. Um, the thought is wonderful to have that thought. So, yeah, I know I'm lucky. I know I get to do what I love. I know that, um, you know. We do actually have friends that have been touring in bands, and then they would be the person to leave that their wife and or significant other got a band and yeah. then left and it was really interesting to see how they were okay with being the one leaving yeah and then when they got left behind it was really uncomfortable yeah so it's crazy it's that's why i think it's like it it's the person that gets left behind but even though you're going you feel like you're missing out on what we're doing yeah that's true because you you would always say to me like yeah that's fine you miss us but remember I'm home here too. I'm here with Max. Like we miss you too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know you guys miss me as well, but you're going on with your everyday life, like school and work. And I have this 23 hours of downtime on tour where if I'm not on stage, there's 23 hours. I'm hitting you guys. Like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? And I'm nine hours ahead. It's just frustrating. And because, because I'm, I'm used to talking to you guys so many times a day that I have that time difference and i have this downtime where i'm like fuck i miss my family but when i'm on stage it's great but now on this tour i get to watch all my friends sets i get to play t uh, 30 minutes take a nice shower come back chill watch all my plans play it's wonderful it's gonna be wonderful I haven't drank coffee in nine days i'm not sure how that's gonna hmm. last in europe because every single person in my band are coffee heads if but anybody's listening strong. to this that's on the persistence tour please try to get him to drink coffee my wife was my wife was so proud that i finally had some sort of She's like that was the most, anything. She's like that was the biggest joke addiction ever. For the month of December, I drank coffee yeah, every day. Twenty day problem. But it it gave me it made me so jittery. 
That's what it's supposed to do. Dehydrated me. Drink water also. Maybe you have to run to the bathroom. Had to go to the bathroom. You I, do that anyway. I fucked up. I had one right before running. Can't I go to the bathroom in the woods up there? You do that anyway. But it did. It, it went for right, real. And it went right through me. But it, it gave me this. Like for me, I pride myself on what my doctor calls. I am healthy as an 18 year old girl, if that's a compliment or not. I pride myself on being as pure as possible. And I just try the coffee. Maybe I was trying to be an adult and fit in and hang out with my friends and finally fit into society, have a cup of coffee with all my friends who drink coffee. But it did not work for my body. I'm already hyper as it is. You can tell I'm high on life. It didn't do anything. It tasted like shit. It made me shit. Um, but then it became routine. Shot the power plant down the street from my house. They would give me free coffee every morning and they were like kind of feeding me and, and um, <laughs> enabling me. They were laughing and, at and you. Laughing at me. <laughs> and so, yeah, the coffee's a wrap. Um, I might do green tea here and there, but I'm back to like just my green juices and my water and that's fine. That's, that's who I am. I tried to like, you know, do something that a lot of my friends do and something normal, but it just it didn't work for me, man. I'm sorry, man. I tried, man. And then people started hitting me up. Yo, I got coffee. I'm gonna send you my. I'm gonna send you my bean. I'm, and Russ is like, dude, have them send it to you. I'll give it to me. I'm like, okay. And then people are like, yo, you should make an H2O coffee mugs and you should make coffee. I'm like, it's only been the first month. I'm not gonna leave that for the descendants. They're they're original OG coffees, coffee heads. Remember here descendants talk about mug, mug, mug and coffee and all this shit. In the eighties, I'm like, my mom drinks Sanka. My mom <laughs> drinks coffee. Like it's so it was so weird to hear like a punk band that you love talk about coffee. Yeah. That coffee was, was such an adult thing. And now every fucking teenager drinks Starbucks, Sanka. Frappuccinos and all this. Remember <laughs> Sanka? Nobody would be caught dead drinking Sanka. But now, I'm just right? saying like, or Dunkin' Donuts, but you know, back then, babe, it was like, it was like coffee. That's for your parents. You know what I'm saying? Like, and now it's just, and now it's like Starbucks and fucking Max swears on Starbucks. I'm like, listen, dude, if you can drink coffee, drink the organic coffee without the chemicals. Cause all that Starbucks shit, there's all kinds of shit in there. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. I have no right to say that because Pop. I'm not I'm not a coffee connoisseur. But also, people would know my wife. She's been addicted to big gulps her whole entire life. Right, Mama? How many years now? A little bit. How many years, babe? I don't know, because like New York didn't have 7-Eleven when we lived there. What did I give you on a 10-year anniversary? A double gulp with diamonds. 10 diamonds, and it was a double gulp made by Rusty Pistachio. So <laughs> I was enabling you also. And the day you gave it to me, you're like, you really need to stop drinking pop. <laughs> I was like, that was dumb. But I always send to you when people put, even John Joseph the other day, he posted some stuff about pop being bad for you. Then, then I'll get people to send me shit about pop's good for you. We're talking about Diet Coke here, people. My wife's addicted to Diet Coke. Or she do half and half Diet Coke with a Coke. Or it's Mountain Dew. And that's been your shit forever, babe. Forever. One more thing I'm going to say about my wife real quick before we get done with this podcast is for how many years straight have you been finding dimes every day? I don't know how long it's been, but I started paying attention like four or five years ago and every single day I find a dime. Not 10. I mean, sometimes I find 10 pennies yeah. or nickel, a quarter, whatever, but I also find full purses and wallets. But yeah, but your main thing I is dimes. I always find a dime. Just your main thing. Yeah. And I started taking photos like maybe I'll do like a dime a day on the thing. A dime and book. It's so insane. In the most random spots. Like we were at a hayride and I found one there. Like just like, <laughs> oh, look, that? there's a, a, a dime over there. Yeah. And like a couple of my friends, I think, are just so annoyed. Like, oh, there she is again. Found another dime. Yeah. But. There's got to be a reason behind it. Well, every day you find one, every day you send me pictures that you found a dime. You should definitely. I got one today too. You should document that shit. I don't know why it happens. If people listening, they're like, if they're like, um, what if they, what, what could 
people the people can predict the future or what do they call people um telepathic i don't know what these people call who, who like oh, the dime will mean people listening know what the fuck a dime means every day please dm me and tell me to let my wife know like what it symbolizes finding a dime every day of your life it's really crazy babe and i would say it's because of your big gulp 7-eleven connection that the dime thing kind of started though because you used to find dimes inside the candy in the front well like yeah the register but yeah. it's like it happens a lot at 7-Eleven, but then my point is at the hayride yeah. and on the street or where I pull up in a parking yeah. lot, like I will go at my job in the parking lot. I walk yeah. into the into my job yep. and I come back and there's a dime next to my door. Yeah. I used to think you and Max were setting it up sometimes. I'd be like, mm, did you props. do that? Yeah. Interesting. All right, babe. Well, tomorrow I'm hitting the road. I'm going to I'll go on the persistence tour. So everybody in Europe, I'll see you guys uh, starting Wednesday in Hamburg. I'm Shake excited. my hand. A hundred dollars per time. I'm shaking my wife a hundred bucks if I mention anything. What would what, 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 what do I have to mention? Anything though? drama related about the tour? I don't want flying, to go on tour. Flying, I don't want to fly. Okay. I'm gonna miss Adam. Yeah, the winter, all that stuff. Too cold. So everybody that sees me on the persistence tour, I'm gonna need a big hug from every single person that I see on that tour. I'm excited to get out there and play these shows with all my friends. It's going to be a wonderful tour. Um, it's going to be really cold. But, um, yeah, if you are uh, coming out to the Persistence, come say hi and bring me some vegan treats. But, Mama, what, what's what's the whole point of this podcast today? What's the bottom line? Don't bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a bitch and appreciate what you have. Not just that. I appreciate what I have, but... Don't bitch and complain when you know when you get there, you're going to have fun. You know what I mean? Because you always end up having a great time. Of course I do. And this one is with all your people. I'm saying, that's I know, it's going to be great. I'm very excited. Just, I've been home for a long time. That's another thing, I've been home for a long time. I haven't left in a while. See you later. That's the thing. It it gets to the point where my wife's going to kill me or divorce me or fucking kill me in my sleep that I go on tour then then it's like, perfect timing and then she misses me and we start fresh again. I'm driving her crazy. So anyway, hey, Sorry, Gavin, I love you. Your, your episode will come out next week. Thanks to everybody subscribe and listen to this podcast. It made this thing really, really fun for me. Very therapeutic, very interesting. I have a lot, a lot of guests already done. I'm sitting on like 48 episodes coming out this year so far. Um, obviously, the whole year I'm going to have episodes, but I'm sitting on 48 right now. I got a bunch of part twos I'm working on. And uh, yeah, man, my wife's been helping me. She set up the YouTube page for me. What's a YouTube page, babe? One it's Life the same Pod- thing. It's One Life and Chance Podcast. Yeah, but you should listen to it on YouTube. Because eventually we're going to have it on video. Thank you, babe. My wife sent me a YouTube page for this. All right, man. Much love to everybody. Happy New Year. And uh, I'll see you guys on the Persistence Tour. Say goodbye, Mama. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, Please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.